Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at assaultlimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com proceed with caution all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, we are back. Episode three seven of Squared Away. Um, what have you been up to, brother? Oh, not much. Going to Christmas parades. Oh yeah, Christmas parade in Sun Prairie last night. Martin yeah. was uh, Martin was security. For, for my fam because I wasn't around. No, but it's, it's sad because, I mean, it's awesome that they had all the intersections blocked with all the heavy equipment, but it's kind of sad that we're to the point where Christmas parades need to have, you know, bulldozers in front of the intersections to stop yeah. random vehicles from driving through groups of people. Yeah, and it was tough. I mean, mentally, I think I was uh, in my headspace. You know, my son, we've been involved with the fire department. He's been in the parade the last couple of times. But last night, you know, I mean, I'm I'm packing and just looking around. I mean, even though they covered the streets and the intersections, I mean, you're looking for every little nook and cranny that somebody's going to, you know, yeah, I pop mean, off and do something. Any sort of, and that's where we're at now. We're at we're at a point where any sort of of large gathering of people, um, you have to be aware. I mean, you're you're always aware when you're you know when you have that protector mindset, you're always aware. But the fact that it actually puts a, a heavier weight on your shoulders and your not always so able to kind of release and enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to enjoy. It's, it's, it's sad that we've gotten here. Um, but I think it was as far as the way that things progress, it's kind of inevitable at some point in time to get to this point. It's, it seems like 
society goes through, you know, cycles of fluctuation and it's, you know, every, I'm sure we've talked about in this podcast before, but the, uh, you know, the hard men make good times, good times, make weak men, weak men make hard times and hard times make hard men. Right. Like it just, it's, it's a cyclical circle and it doesn't need, you know, men in there doesn't even need to be men. It's, that's not a sexual thing. It's, it's society. Yeah. Yeah. We can become a society of lack of accountability and discipline and become a society of just hanging on our emotions and allowing the, you know, political elite to kind of play, you know, play games. And we've become such a divided society. It's not because of one person. No. Yeah. I mean, it's become it's a, identity politics. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, exactly that's, where it is. that's the, you know, that I'm not saying that that's 1000% of the blame or hundred percent of the blame, but that's a very large majority of the blame is identity politics and the way that it's played into everything. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to kind of piece through that video that I sent you of those MIT, the end of the world or the end of society as we know it? Yeah. So yeah, there's been a little bit of that going around. <laughs> it's it's an interesting video, and and I'll try to link it. Um, a lot of times I say I'm gonna link shit, and then I don't, so I'm trying to get better at that. Um, I will try to link it, and but it's a it's basically a video that talks about in the mid '70s, um, a bunch of MIT students and professors put together all these different metrics that kind of uh, measure the fluctuation in society, and it's things like uh, pollution. Uh, industry, politics, and all, and all these other things that go together. And they kind of were, were estimating where our, where our arc of, uh, of current society is. Because if you're unaware of history, basically popular societies grow and then they crumble. Some crumble from, you know, earth erupting, some crumble. I mean, the, the Romans crumbled over, it took 300 years, you know, right? Three centuries for, for Rome to, to finally yeah. fall. But there's a point in, in every in every arch, there's a point where you're at the peak and they had all these different scenarios and some scenarios were were more positive scenarios and some scenarios were pretty bleak scenarios. And the more bleak scenarios put us at an arch of about 19 of about uh, 2040. 2040 is about if you followed all these metrics about where society would be starting to then go down into a, a negative um, curvature into a collapse. Well, 2021 another group kind of uh, went back, took all the metrics that they were measuring in the 70s, measured them all through now, and looked at all the different possibilities they had and which one we were closest to. And the one that we most readily modeled was the, I guess they called it the business as usual model, which um, basically at 2040, we are on a decline, steep decline into basically pollution, no food, no growth in population, no growth in industry, and very little growth in technology. Right. And that's that's on a global scale. That's on a global scale. Yeah. Because I think sometimes when we talk about pollution, I don't think people realize that, I mean, where America really sits is we're, we're not on the majority of the pollution scale. We've done a pretty good job with, you know, coal manufacturing and, you know, environmental cleaning. But you got to look at where the percentage is coming out of China and Russia. Well, and the funny thing is, is, okay, we always preach personal responsibility, right? So if we can't produce something here because of environmental laws and labor, but we buy stuff here that's produced places that don't give a shit about environmental laws, 
Yeah. That's on us just as much as it is on them. Yeah. Because we're buying the shit. And our American companies are paying to have it made where you can just piss gas into the environment and nobody gives any, you know, two, two shits. Oh, yeah. That's on us. Yeah. As Americans, even though we're not necessarily producing in the in the tight scheme of things, we're not producing all of these greenhouse gases or all these emissions or all this pollution. Yeah. We're just paying for China, Taiwan, Sri Lanka, all these Asian nations to create yeah. this shit, right? Yeah, and I think that's where these activists have to be really careful about what they're, you know, screaming about. Because, you know, they're buying the same shit that's getting produced over there causing all these problems and but yet they're you know they're so hard on america about that so yeah and and the activist thing is kind of interesting because if you if you drive around in a you know a veggie car or a or a prius and you try to make your clothes last as long as possible and you do your own gardening then let's talk you you have a ground to stand on to talk to me about my consumption and my pollution one thousand percent but if you're one of these fucking you know golden shoe celebrities that flies around in your private jet from place to place to place to place. And then you want to talk to me about my amount of pollution. You could shove it right up your can. Right. right. And I was just, uh, I was going back for it uh, this morning, uh, the conversation uh, about Pete Buttigieg, you know, uh, he's the department of transportation dude, right? I mean, he's been on vacation basically since the beginning of the year anyway, but you know, he, his solution to the gas prices is what? Electric. Yeah. Buy an electric car. Yeah. Which I mean, they've given, to- they've given, uh, not sure if it's just Ford and GM, but at least Ford and GM, like $35 billion to upgrade all of their plants to produce electric cars because they were like, well, we're not changing our plants. And they're like, oh, we'll pay for it. And at that point, as any business owner, you're like, well, yeah, if you're going to pay for it, let's go. Yeah. But the thing is, the consumer's got to basically buy that. Yeah. So are you so, willing to pay $56,000 for a car? Even though the government's subsidizing the manufacturing portion of it, who's going to be able to afford that? Yeah, it's it's not cheap. Now, currently, there's a good amount of them out there that are less than that, though, right? Uh, hybrids. Oh, those are just hybrids, not 100% electric. Yeah. But like a Nissan Leaf is not 56000 That's electric, right? I that's fully don't know electric. much about the Nissan Leaf. I'm pretty sure that's fully electric. I don't know that they last or anything. I'm just totally, you know, just talking about the cheap, cheap end, right? Right. Um, but either way, I mean. It's not practical. And right now, it's not. The infrastructure is not there. You know, the funny thing is, you ever seen the little meme where it's like dinosaur to oil to car, right? Dinosaur to oil to car. And then that, you know, that person is like X'd out. And then it's like dinosaur to coal to coal plant, to power plant, to electrical line, to car. And that's okay. Like we're still creating, I mean, we're still creating a ton of waste here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you still got to manufacture tires, don't you? It's like, I love people that will bitch about the price of gas, right? They're like, you know, gas is up 20 cents. Well, on a $3 gallon of gas, 20 cents is less than 10%, right? Yeah. If you drove a little easier, you'd save a lot more than 10% on gas. Yeah. Maybe not, you know, hammering the throttle every time you take off of the off of the line. You know, that is not a toggle switch, <laughs> you know, uh, some people just jackrabbit start. Yeah. Like, some people have no idea that that insane. thing is actually like an incremental pedal. Like the more you push it, the faster you go. It's not just like hammer on it and go. Yeah. But it's everything, right? It's our consumption, which you sent me the video um, about materialism. Who's that guy? 
Uh, I don't. He just popped up. Okay, some Ooh, alpha motivation like real, video yeah. or something like that. And, I, and who knows? He probably has nothing to do with the actual page it was on. But basically, it was it was talking about materialism and all these people that have self confidence issues that are trying to paste on top of their self confidence with you know brands and and fashion and Gucci and Ferrari and big house and all this shit because they're they don't have self worth right. They're trying to yeah. they're trying to band aid over over mental insecurities that they have. Yeah. And in this, in this reel, he's just talking about how, you know, his self-worth is he can go to the mirror, look in the mirror and say, you know what? I mean, I've worked hard and, you know, I look good naked. Yeah. Versus I mean, did somebody you see his, that needs a Ferrari. Did you see his jawline? There was definitely some mast or some trend in that jawline. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> so it's, I mean, I understand the guy. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah, just, I wake yeah. up in the morning, I go look in the mirror and I'm like, you know what? If I put this hard work in and I feel comfortable going to the beach or, you know, basically comfortable not having any clothes on. Yeah. You know what? To me, that's, hey, it's something that I work for and that's credibility that I give myself, you know, that I'm doing, you know. And that's why the God that I'm not like, you know, getting hit by a bus and missing yeah. a leg or something. But I'm not giving credibility like you said in a video to you buy a Ferrari, you buy you buy something, a watch or, you know, clothing brand or something, what you're doing is giving your credibility to that brand. That brand makes you quote somebody. I mean, that's so high school, isn't yeah, it? You're not who you are. You are the brand. Right. You're the brand guy. You're, you're the, the Ferrari guy. You're the hype town, right? Yeah. And that makes you important because without that Ferrari, you're what? Yeah. You're just the you're guy nothing. that, yeah, you're just the guy that drives the pickup. Yeah. But talk to any, you know, talk to anybody that worked in a bank for a while, you know, who really, you know, who has the money in the bank. It's the guy that's driving the 1995 Suburban, you know, the farmer that's driving the 1995 oh, Suburban yeah. or, or or whatever. Put you know, away because, their money, yeah. yeah, because he knows what he's doing, you know, right. he's and, th and that's a weird thing, too, because if you like if you like quality things, that's different from needing a brand. Right. Right. And that's I've had this conversation a lot before is like, well, if you just want if you just want a, a sports car that's going to make you like go, holy shit then, you know, an LS swapped Mazda Miata will make you go, holy shit, more than any Ferrari or Lamborghini is ever going to. Right. But if you need the, if you need the, the, the chisel, you know, if you need the, the shine on it. So when you pull in the parking lot, people know it's you. That's different. Oh yeah. Well, it's kind of the, uh, I always like to tell people the cold storm creamery, you know, the sizes, you, have you gone to cold yeah, storm? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's it, love like it, it, gotta love have it, it right? gotta have it, right? Yeah. I know a lot of people that are in the gotta have it bucket. So you, you, I just gotta have that because if I have that, then it, somehow it boosts up their, you know, their status. And you know, for some of us, it's like, hey, you know, there's things that we like. If you like a muscle car, you like it. But you know what? If I can't afford it, I'm not gonna get it. Yeah, and that's a good point. The affording it, right? Like if I pay cash out of my bank account for that whatever gotta have it item is, then Yes, I've paid it forward, right? Like I've saved that money and I've paid and I've paid the money for that, you know, that that enjoyable feeling, whatever I'm going to get from that. If it's a car, you know, it's it's the it's that uh, adrenaline, whatever it is. Right. But where it gets really damaging is when you are paying the money for that item 10 percent down, financing 90 percent of it, and you're going to have a payment for the next six years. Yeah. Guess how long that awesome feeling lasts. Right. Not six fucking years. Yeah. You can have that every every month stress. But the thing is, 
I mean, there is a guideline. I mean, don't ever buy, uh, we're talking about vehicles, right? So yeah. don't buy a vehicle that's more than half your salary's worth, you know, annual. And then you got to well, I can at- spend half my salary? <laughs> yeah, don't think Damn. that way. That's, that's scary. To- oh, okay. I won't do that then. But then, you know, yeah, what, what's your long term? I mean, what is the uh, um, depreciation value of that vehicle? Yeah. So, and that's a big difference too, right? Like, oh, yeah. I remember reading, and this has been years and years. So don't, you know, don't say that this is current. Um, numbers, but I remember reading an article probably 10 years ago, the number one vehicle for retaining its value um, after you drive it off a lot was a Jeep Wrangler, right? It was like 12 months later, it was still worth like 91% of its initial lot value. Yeah. The least was a Lincoln Navigator. And that thing was worth 48% of its value 12 months from when you drove it off the lot. So, and those are like, you know, even back then those were 60 grand. So that yeah. means your sixty thousand dollars spend was worth thirty, you know, twenty nine thousand dollars approximately. Yeah, twelve months. Yeah, I mean that's why I have such a hard time. I could not stomach buying a brand spanking new vehicle because the minute you drive off that lot, I'm like, holy shit, what happened? And there's some stuff that holds your value, right? Like if you got if you would have got one of the new Ford GTs in early 2000s, whenever they came out, you know, it was like one year that they did a Ford GT. Yeah, that thing is worth more now than it ever sold off of a lot. Right. But that's not everything, right? I have a feeling the new Broncos will probably hold their value pretty well the yeah. way that, the way that Jeeps do. Raptors hold their value. I drive a diesel pickup not because I need the towing capacity of a three quarter ton diesel pickup all the time, but yeah. because. That value, I could legitimately, I've driven it for two years now. I could legitimately turn around and sell it for exactly what I paid for it, if not make money on it. And it gets 20 miles to the gallon. Yeah. But part of that resale is, I mean, you have a Denali. So part of that resale you're holding is because it's that version with those it's features not, that though, are in That's it. the interesting, totally to get off topic, it's diesels. It's it's Chevy GM, diesels, Dodge diesels. Ford doesn't have as much of a play in the diesel game. Um, it's a great diesel. It's just they've... They haven't, you know, played whatever the game is with, right. with the diesels, but it's Chevy diesel pickups. GM diesel pickups are wild. Yeah, absolutely wild. My brother just bought one for my my mid brother just bought one for my little brother. And it's like a 2008. With one hundred ninety thousand miles on it. Decent amount of stuff done to it, but n- nothing crazy. No, it might have. Th- 290,000 miles. Anyways, the bank was like, we can give you up to 27,000 for that. He's like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Especially now, yeah. You know, like that's crazy. But yeah. anyways, I, I digress on the pickup game. But it's it's but, all about your value of your investment and whatever feelings that you're getting from it, whatever use you're getting it from it, outlasting the payment book. Yeah. Yep. And if you're just a strict down data person, then it's like, you know, make sure it's a fraction. I don't even like to say 50%. No. You know, 25% of what you're making and basically the resale value is what you got to think about. So yeah, it always yeah, it pains me when I'm driving by and let's say I'm driving by a, uh, what do you call it? Those uh, trailer places. People live in mobile home oh, yeah, yeah, parks yeah, or whatever Yeah, yeah they are. mobile home park, yeah, trailer park. And I, I see this maybe, you know, I don't know what the value of those things are, but maybe, you know, five 40, to ten grand. I don't know what they I are. Think, I, I think they're like 30 to buy one. And the land, nice gotta, one. the plot's got to be pretty cheap. You, But I think those you rent. Oh, you rent them? Yeah, you okay. pay because I know that that's, that's been an investment thing I've come across a few times was like you, you can you can buy yeah. a trailer park. 
you can own the trailer park and you just rent the lots. Oh, okay. Well, I see a lot of like mid-range, you know, yep. slightly run down ones, but then I'll see next to the trailer, I'm looking at this, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollar Mustang sitting outside. I'm like, okay, put it together. That's probably not the best investment there. No, but I would rather see that than see them in a house they can't afford and have a car they can't afford. Oh, yeah, well, that's a double whammy there. Right? Yeah. Like how many people do we know that are slaves to their house payment? Yeah. You know, I mean, legitimately, I could work a part time job and pay my house payment. Like I would never need to pay it out of my regular wage. Yeah. Like I could make enough money at a part time job to pay my house payment. And yeah. that's how I like it. Yep. I just look at it as my house payment is less than rent. Way less than rent, like half for me. I, I don't not including taxes, but still. Yeah. Taxes. That's another story. Yeah. Taxes. I was trying to explain that to my kids the other day. Oh, and I'm taxes? like, yeah, taxes. And they're like, well, what is that for? I'm like, well, that's for you to go to school and for them to pick up garbage and, you know, plow the streets and stuff. And they're like, well, when is it paid off? And I'm like, oh, no, that's the funny thing. That's <laughs> forever. Never, yeah, it's like that's rent. me paying rent on my property that I've also purchased yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah. Unless you want to live on a houseboat, right? No property taxes on a houseboat, I don't think. Or an <laughs> I think RV. So. Champagne, uh, yeah, some uh, Atlantis person. Yeah. But I've already talked to the mayor about, you know, possibly shooting out uh, one of my street lights and, you know, then they can cut my taxes a little bit. Oh, nice. He didn't take that too well. You didn't think that was funny? No, he's a. Uh, uh, He's a little far left. Oh, well, that'll happen. See, I don't you have street lights. I don't have street lights. Well, and yeah, my, and so mayor, my taxes and so my taxes are half of yours. Yeah. I don't have sidewalks. Yeah, I don't have sidewalks. Yet I, I feel like I'm paying for sidewalks. You're definitely paying for sidewalks. All right. I digress. Yeah. Should we get into should we get into this this podcast? Yeah, that's right. I Roll. think so. I the, where this stemmed from is I came across a post this week. Um and it was a it was a gentleman talking about how he has been working towards something. He didn't necessarily say he was working towards a goal, but he was just he was he was depressed. He was down. He was he was upset about the fact that he had not seen any accomplishment yet for all the effort that he's putting in. And then I started thinking about a lot of the people that I converse with and people that I talk to. And I think that there's a pretty good amount of people that listen to this podcast that aren't necessarily the type that need like the kick in the ass, right? Like they don't need the motivation. They don't need the inspiration. They're already, they're moving every day. They're, they're running, they're grinding, they're, they're, they're working, they're doing their shit every day, but they're not necessarily seeing the results yet. And that's where the idea of this podcast came from is like, there's, I have a, I have a hierarchy, hierarchy to achievement, um, a mental hierarchy of achievement that I've kind of went through here. That'll kind of break that down as to where you could be losing some some effort and if you're not losing any effort in the first steps of the hierarchy then you get to the point where like you are just you have not made it to the op- opportunity yet for your extreme success because right like it's like success is where preparation and opportunity meet and if you're doing the work on the preparation but you haven't gotten to that opportunity point yet it can get depressing so like that's where that's where the idea of this podcast came from so first off, I want to get into, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this word. This, this timia, I think yeah. is how it is. Dystymia, dystymia, dystymia. Yeah, so basically what this is, 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 is a chronic form of, of low or moderate depression. This isn't like extreme depression. This is just kind of feeling down. And I think that the, the psychological books talk about it has to be over two years to be considered actual dystymia. Okay. So, but we're talking long-term minor depression, feeling down, feeling sad, feeling kind of upset, 
for a long period of time. And I think a lot of people get into that point and they and they feel that and they don't recognize it as a dash light. They don't recognize it as like, oh shit, there's some things that you need to look at, some things that you need to figure out, some goals that you need to set. This isn't like, oh, you need a drug or you need counseling. I mean, unless counseling is going to help you look at what you need to change. Right. Right. And so that's where I put in the dystymia. Not not necessarily that everyone in the situation that we're talking to here is going to be feeling that. But I really want people to realize that if you're feeling down and it's and it's a long term feeling down, there's some shit that you need to work on. That's what it, that's what it's saying. Yeah. And I'm no, not against I don't and I'm not against um against drugs. I know a lot of people have, have that have gotten in that point. It's a lot. It's, they call it situational depression, right? Like it's a relationship, it's a career. It's something like it's situational depression. So they end up taking some drugs, short-term prescribed drugs, not crack, um, short-term to then get them to the point where they can visualize and see the things they need to work on. They work on it and then they get off the drugs. You have seen that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, when I look at dystymia, it's, uh, you know, there's people that, you know, the minute they go into this, you know, real mild form of depression, they will do activities like eat. You know, that's that's one of the biggest ones. They'll eat, they'll, there'll be drugs, they'll be scrolling uh, They'll numb themselves, media. right? We talked about that in the past, yeah. like the numbing of the, da- you know, the damage numbing. Yeah. And it, I, th- I think it leads to anxiety because... There's so many people, I, I swear, like in a week, I've talked to, you know, 10 to 15 people who are, will mention, oh, well, yeah, I get anxiety from that or, um, oh, I get panic attacks. You know, I've never heard so many people have panic attacks. And I'm like, well, what's your background? Or a lot of the backgrounds I know, they haven't done anything. They haven't been through any trauma, but, you know, they're having all this anxiety and all these panic attacks. So, you know, why? Why is that? Is there a chance that you have zero confidence in your ability to handle some sort of a hardship? So you're worried about encountering a hardship, right? Because you have not, you have no history in your past of having to deal with extreme hardship. And so every time something, something comes to mind that could be a hardship, it, it paralyzes you because you're like, oh, if that actually happened, I wouldn't be able to deal. I wouldn't be able to make it through that. I wouldn't be able to handle that. And some of those hardships that I'm being told by these specific people, I mean, these are like not even first world like hardships. I mean, like, Jesus, stuff that, I mean, I'm used to like waking up in the morning and just having to deal with. I mean, if, if your coffee's not right or if you don't have your morning coffee, are you not able to function at all and you have anxiety all day? But right there, we come back to the good times make soft people. Yeah, but that's right? like really soft. That's really man. soft, but that but that that I think that that means that we are drastically far into the good times making soft people and we are about to crest over these soft people making hard times. Ooh, it's scary. <clears throat> yeah. You know, and I think that's where a lot I think that's where a lot of the issues come from today. Yeah. I, I I know I just started this new book um Welcome to the Woke Trials. And this is a this is a British woman who is a journalist and followed for the last two years, all of the, you know, the quote unquote woke uh, news stories. And she really like, she gets deep into it. Stories that I never even heard of. Like they were attacking, um, they were attacking ridiculous shit. Like they were, they were attacking um, 
worse than the Dr. Seuss attacks, like worse, even more hilarious than the Dr. Seuss attacks, like a gay man who is married to another man who is a quilter or a knitter. And he, he posted something on some social media site with the hashtag diverse knitter. And because he was white, he got attacked for being a white supremacist and all this other crazy shit. This is a gay man married to a man that knits at home and posts about it online. And it was to the point that he got so badly attacked that he had to get hospitalized for some mental illness, which he probably clearly had some some soft mental issues prior to that. Like you don't right. that shit doesn't <clears throat> bother you. But clearly, like that drove him to that point. And she covers all of this. And she brings up the point that, like, it's ass backwards, right? Like the older generation who was introduced to rock and roll. If the younger generation now was introduced to what rock and roll was then, oh yeah, they would look at it and go, "That is that is damaging, that is triggering, right?" And the older people <laughs> yeah. are like, "Give me the rock and roll, you know." Yeah, but I don't think it's just an age thing. I'm starting to see people in their fifties and sixties. Come on, even through the through the holidays, seriously. Right now. Yeah, because this whole thing with the 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 pandemic. Everything with that, with the uh, the mandates, everything else, you're starting to see people in their 50s, 60s, and even 70s, mid-70s are acting like this, where they are being offended and they're, you know, anxious if you don't agree with them. So are, are these, is there the possibility that these people are mirroring what they encounter on a daily basis because that's where a portion, that's where a majority of their time is spent? Well, majority, on social media. Yeah, majority of the time spent on social media or listening directly to mainstream media. Yeah. Like around the clock because part of them, they're not working. So these, these are, these are, working these are sheeple, right? Like oh, these, are, exactly. these are sheeple yeah. that are, I would speculate, and we have no idea, but I would speculate are falling in line with this because of the generation that is that is so soft and isn't able to handle any sort of adversity and isn't able to laugh at themselves. They then caught, they then push this big woke narrative and then that narrative expands and the sheep of any generation and any age play right into it. Yeah. I mean, it's contagious. I mean, the woke smoke is, is the real pandemic. That's the problem right now. Yeah. Um, So I want to get into this mental hierarchy of achievement because I think that this, this out of everything that I put in my notes here is probably one of the, one of the biggest things. Um, First step, is to work on is to look at your effort of the day and ask yourself, how hard did you work? How many hours did you invest in yourself? And is it in the right direction? Right. And so that's where we kind of, that's where we kind of come to. Are you working on the right things? Oh no, sorry. First, first of all, are you even working hard? Right. So are you even working hard towards anything? If you're not, if you're spending hours a day scrolling, if you're spending hours a day television, if you're if you're not consuming, you know, positive media, if you're not doing any of these things, then first of all, that that's the first train station to start at, right? And so we're gonna weed off all the people that need to just get their shit in gear. Right. That's the first step. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that. The next category is all the people that are that that have made it through that first train station, okay? And these people are working. They move a lot, they're always running, they're grinders, but they're not efficient. Right? They're just moving for the sake of movement. You know, not 
how many hours did you spend at the gym, but how hard did you work when you were there? And are you being honest with yourself? Are you being self-critical? Are you checking off important things off your list or are you just making checklists so that you can check shit off? Which I've been guilty of that in the past. I'll make a checklist and I'll write on five things that are super easy and super simple just to like, oh, check that off, check that off, check that off. And that's dumb. But I have been guilty of that. I'll be 1000% honest, you know? So do you make a daily list? Not daily. Not daily. Um, And then with this one is the, is it, everything here is about quality, not quantity. You know, are you working hard? Are you working efficient? If you have, you know, two days off a week, how are you spending those two days? If you have, you know, an hour for lunch, how are you spending that hour? If you, if you're at your job for eight hours, how are you spending those eight hours? Are you legitimately working for about two hours and then the other six just kind of fucking piddling by? Because there's a lot of people yeah. that are doing that. They're, you know, they work a ton of hours. Oh, I, I, you know, I'm a worker. I'm, I'm always moving. I'm always grinding. But they're not efficient at anything. Right. And then comes the tough one. So we've weeded off the people that aren't working at all. And we'd weeded off the people that need to, that need to grow their efficiency in their work. Okay. And here's the, here, here's the next train station and the next train station is going to need some brutal honesty. You're investing a ton of energy. You've made it through the first station. You're efficient, but are you working towards a goal? Are you working towards something? Because even if you are efficiently, and I have this down as a, I have this down as a, as an example, if you are efficiently working on a treadmill, okay, you're running, you're running your ass off on a treadmill, but you have no goal, then what are you doing? Because if your goal is to burn calories, then you should be running one way. If your goal is to increase cardiovascular health, then you should be running a totally different way. And here's where it gets really interesting is, if your goal is to get somewhere, like to the grocery store, you should get your fucking ass off the treadmill. And that's where I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people are running on that day-to-day treadmill and they're putting a lot of effort towards a thousand different things and not seeing any of them through. Or they're putting a lot of effort towards a thousand different things. They're working hard, they're grinding, but they're not working towards any goals. Right? Like right. they're building completing. five businesses half-ass Instead of building one, yep, they are going to work and investing a ton of time away from their family, but they're not actually accomplishing anything at work. Yep. <clears throat> That's just busy being busy. Busy being busy. And so I think with that one, the biggest thing there is it's going to take some, some real internal thought about what your goals are. You know, do do you, are you trying to build one business to sustain your family or are you trying to build a business because that is something that you're really interested in and you want to, you know, have a hobby that can also make you some money that is inspiring to you? Cause that's like, that's a lot of what people are doing is they're, they're keeping themselves busy, but it's not necessarily improving any one thing. It's not improving their mental health. It's not improving their financial stability. It's not improving anything. All it's doing is running on a treadmill with nothing to show for it. Yeah. You know, 
So the last step in this in this hierarchy, there's only going to be a few people left in this last one. And we've weeded out the people that aren't working at all. We've weeded out the people that are putting in a ton of time but have no efficiency. And then we've weeded out the people who are efficient. They're working hard, but they're working hard on 7,000 different things and nothing is getting done. Yeah. The last one is the people that just haven't broke through yet. And I think that there's a good amount of our listeners that are at this point. Like we talked about before I even got into this, this is the opportunity meets preparation and you are working on the preparation. You're constantly working on the preparation. You're growing, you're learning, you're improving, you're putting yourself out there. You're contacting people, right? Like this podcast, always learning, always growing, always improving our minds so that we can share it with people. We're telling people about the podcast. We're sending it out to people. We're calling people to see if they want to get on the podcast, but the podcast isn't at 10,000 downloads an episode yet. That's where I would like us to be, but we're not there yet. Well, the thing is, is that right there, that, that next level, a lot of times for all people, you know, all businesses and all pursuits that takes some outside opportunity that you have nothing to do with, right? Like that takes someone, something, the, the chess pieces falling into the perfect place. It just takes that. And if you're not there yet, but you're always concentrating on measuring that as your success, you're going to get real fucking down and you're going to get real depressed and you're going to get real upset. And that's where this last one comes in is you need to learn to be proud of your effort and your growth for the day, because a lot of the shit that we do is unmeasurable, right? Yeah. Like when we, when we learn new knowledge or we talk to new people or we, you know, get some new tech for the podcast or whatever, all those things are, they're unmeasurable. The only measurable thing in the podcasting game is how many downloads there is. Well, if I was only ever concentrating on that, I'd get pretty down. Because it hasn't broken through yet. So whether it's your business or your habit or your hobbies or your personal life, what effort have you put in today? And be proud of that effort and marry yourself to the effort, not the outcome. Because when you are able to marry yourself to the effort and be proud of the effort, you will continually put in that extreme effort because that is the goal. The goal is to put in the effort towards the, you know, the goal is to be at the gym, putting in the workout. The goal is to be eating right. The goal is to be growing your brain. The goal is to be contacting people and telling them about your business, not necessarily the bottom line in the dollars because otherwise you're going to get depressed and you're probably going to quit. Yeah. Yeah, and part of not breaking through is uh, sometimes you got to reevaluate, and sometimes you need to tweak a few things. It's kind of like going to the gym. If you're constantly doing the same weight, same exercise every week, guess what? You're going to maintain, but you're not going to grow. But if your goal is to make some gains about what you're doing, then sometimes you got to change a little bit of what you're doing. And, you know, it doesn't mean just scrapping everything and starting over. It's just you know tweaking. I mean, it's just kind of. Being in the corporate world this long, you know, looking at a business, um, you're always looking at metrics all the time. 
and you're trying to please your shareholders. And a lot of times you have to make little, little changes to get those, you know, little bit of gains that, you know, you want to see, but it's, it's always better in a business side to have steady gains than to all of a sudden have some, you know, skyrocketing gains because a lot of times you can't handle There's no infrastructure for that. So yeah, it's a process, man. I know that if, if you haven't read Stephen Pressfield's War of Art, it's it's great. It's a great book. Um, it's not a long read, but basically the entire thing is about about him as an artist and he calls it the resistance. It's that last minute, like dark, dark, dark before it shines through the light. Right. It's that last minute, like, oh, I'm not going to finish this last little bit. Oh, I'm getting, you know, getting down and quitting before that last little. Oh, my God. If you would have just taken five more fucking steps, <laughs> five more steps, you would have broken through the other side. But how many people quit right before that they quit at that darkest time you know right before the finish line right before the finish line and that so that book is great and and like with anything we talk about it all the time just being mindful of that like being able to look at yourself and go oh i'm just getting down because it's it's that little bit of darkness right yeah just keep my head down i'm going to keep moving i'm going to keep grinding i'm going to keep recording i'm going to keep you know learning i'm going to keep putting my effort in i'm going to keep calling people i'm going to keep trying to sell you know yeah yeah, speaking of short reads, uh, that Five Love Languages is a short read, by the way. Five Love Languages. Oh, my God. Another person. So it's funny. You I have three people now in my life that, that have suggested this as a book. And I get it. I get it. I do. Um, me and my wife talk about it a lot. The love languages where I where I deterred away from the love languages this morning was because we were talking about filling the buckets. And I think that's where originally right. the idea came from for, or that's where the buckets came from for you. Yep. Right. When you brought it up was the five love languages. For me, I saw the buckets more in this podcast as what fills the bucket, like what actions are you doing that fill your bucket? Right. Like not necessarily. um what are you doing for other people? What are other people doing for you? You know, the, the words of affirmation. Well, that's the yeah. only one I remember, but, um, cause the book talks about what you're giving, not just so what you're receiving. Cause it helps you understand how you do your day to day, whether you're dealing with people, you know, how you feel, how you feel empty, but how you can help other people. So, I mean, when I first saw the book, I'm like, oh, okay, it's one of these like romantic, you know, marriage whatever books and but once i read it i was like oh it's pretty understanding it helps me understand uh you know even people i got to deal with on a superficial level yeah you know people i work with my idea of the buckets was more like what do you get the most fulfillment out of as far as filling your bucket there not necessarily the external you know what are you what are how are you approaching other people how are other people approaching you this was more like what types of things that you're putting your effort into? Like for me, it's a big thing, combination of friends and family and achieving things. Like yesterday I was helping my dad and my brother, my brother's having a baby. We're adding a, a bedroom into his house, right? We're turning a loft, yeah. dry, you know, putting up, framing up some walls, putting some drywall, some electrical in. Like I would, I told him on the way up there, I was like, I would so much rather do something like this with you guys rather than just hanging out with you guys or just doing something like this. I would so much rather have an accomplishment, but have an accomplishment with friends or family, like people that I care about. Right. Yeah. And that, that for me, that's a big bucket filler is like helping people and, and experiencing accomplishment with people that I really appreciate. 
Yeah. And I think that's like your in your top three love languages there is acts of service and quality time. Oh, there you go. Damn. Look at that. There you go. Brings it, wraps it right around to the love languages. Um, but the reason I, I wanted to add this to this podcast was because I don't think very many people reverse engineer or dissect what gives them those, those feelings. I don't think very many people sit down and think about like, when was the last time I was really happy? What caused that happiness? How can I engineer my life to have more of whatever caused that happiness? Right. Like, but it takes a lot of self-reflection and self-evaluating to come to that point. Yeah, Because first you have to even realize what, what caused it. Well, first, hold on. First, you even have to realize like in the moment, like I feel really good. And then you have to, in that moment, think what made me feel really good. Right. And then you have to engineer your life to do more of those things that make you feel really good. That's like a lot of steps. Yeah. But if you're to this point in this podcast and you're like, holy shit, I haven't done that. Turn the fucking thing off. Turn it off. If you're driving, most people listen to podcasts as a secondary thing, right? They don't, most people don't just sit down and consume podcasts as a, their primary, whatever they're doing. It's something that's in the background. It's something that are in their ear while they're working, while they're driving. It's that's what podcast is. That's why podcasting is amazing. And being able to access this information yeah. whenever is because you can get it at your time, whether your time is one in the morning, your time is, you know, 10 in the morning. It doesn't matter. You can have it whenever you want, but if you're at, if whatever you're doing right now, keep doing that, turn this off, Hold on. Before you turn this off, maybe just push pause and then go in and rate it because ratings really <laughs> help us in the iTunes and the Spotify um, listings. Yeah. So rate it and then stop and really think about this. Like do some reverse engineering on yourself. Yeah. Because that's a that, that right there is going to pay itself a million fold in the time. You spend one hour really, really contemplating what makes you happy, what fills your bucket, and then add that into your engineering of your day. Yeah. And don't make it too complicated. No. I mean, for me, you know, this is my my personal quick self-evaluation, you know, throughout the day of filling my bucket is, you know, I'm an introvert. So I recharge like an introvert. Extroverts recharge differently. You know, extrovert, I, I'd probably consider you an extrovert. No way. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners are surprised. Yeah, they are. But extroverts, you know, are they get charged up around other people, right? And under the the love languages, you know, acts of service and quality time are big. Because, yeah, you want to help people. You want to, you know, do service things. And basically, you want to mesh that with quality time with the people that, you know, you're doing it with or helping out. Where introverts recharge, what, by themselves. Because if I'm around too many people for too long, you're just exhausted right? Your bucket's empty. So like for me, I mean, you know, I know the five years. So physical touch is my number one. And by that it doesn't mean, you know, shagging, shagging wagon. Sure it doesn't. <laughs> it's literally, you know, I could have quality time, you know, sitting next to a loved one and just, yeah, having that contact, you know, or, uh, you know, hug. My kids know I, I love hugs, you know, from them. So, you know, I like quality time. I don't like quantity of time. I could do like 20 minutes of solid quality time rather than eight hours of just dragging it out. You know, I hate that. And, you know, gift giving and acts of service is kind of, you know, it's either hovering the middle or maybe towards the end for me as I get older, 
you know, words of affirmation, I know is something that I know females, it's just, you know, part of the yeah the genetic makeup. They like words of affirmation. Are you saying that females are genetically different than males? Uh, yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> Scientifically, I, you know, I am so science. I had to, I had to, I had to. <laughs> but as I get older, it changes a little bit. I know words of affirmation is probably like, uh, you know, hovering a five and four for me. And it's just that, yeah, as you get older, you get, you start deteriorating. I don't know if that's a word I should say, but degenerating. I think those are both pretty negative words. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not, if I look at a, a picture, a video. You're, age, you're aging uh, like yeah. a nice glass of milk. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, my 20s and 30s, mid 30s and lower 40s, you know, my body's not reacting the way it is. My body, when I look in the mirror, yeah, sure, I can go on a beach and be okay, you know, wear nothing. But it's not what it was. Wait, where are you going to the beach and wearing nothing? I don't know. In, in whatever t- whatever town you were checking out that that nudist yeah. beach thing yeah. was. Was that Maisel Mamie or something? <laughs> yeah, I've never been a nudist beach, sorry. But uh but yeah, I mean I words of affirmation from your loved ones is nice to hear, especially, you know, as you're getting gray and old and you know, falling apart. And it's it's kind of changes. And I think that's, you know, that's for me, that's an easy five categories. Or if you want to put it, love languages that, you know, that fill those are the buckets. And I just have to know how I recharge as an introvert. So I want to use um, I want to use my work as an example, because I think there's a lot of people that are in the same position as me. They have a job. It's not super fulfilling, but it does them well right? Like it's good for their family. It's good for their, you know, their mental health, but it doesn't give them a lot of fulfillment. And so, um, I'm in a position that my job supports my family really well. And it also allows me the freedom to be there for them when they need me, because I am an outside sales. So if I need to skip away for an hour and and go do something, I can, it's not a big deal. I don't have to ask permission. I just, I do what I want and I get my job done. Um, other than that, it, it doesn't really offer much for my bucket. So if I'm not being conscious of it, I can easily be consumed by the lack of meaning and let it frustrate me and get and get me down. Right. Because I'm looking for more. I'm looking for more out of it because I'm not filming. Yeah, because I'm not concentrating on what it is doing for me. But when I'm at my best, I'm remembering and being conscious of the fact that my job doesn't necessarily fill my bucket itself, but it allows me the freedom to be able to do so while giving me the freedom to be able to invest in learning. Because I, a lot of my time that I consume, a lot of the the knowledge that, you know, we talk about on here is while I'm at work, it's podcasts, it's audiobooks, it's stuff like that while I'm driving around, because there isn't a ton that I can do while I'm driving. So it grows my ability to help others, right? That service. So yeah. it, it helps me help other people. And that's a huge bucket filler for me. So the podcast has nothing to do with my job, but my job, the podcast is how I help a lot of people. And FYI, like when you guys reach out and you're like, Hey, you know, I really like that's fucking huge. Like that is, that's a big bucket filler. Um, But it's the, all of that is easier because of my job that has nothing to do with that. And I need, and, and I need to be conscious of that. And I think a lot of people, need to really look back at what they do. And it doesn't matter if you're a CEO or a janitor, you need to be able to recognize what that is doing for you, not what it isn't doing for you. 
And, yeah. it, and, and it doesn't mean that you can't still strive for improvement. And that's that balance that, that that's that balance. That's really hard for, for a lot of people, you know, in society is I'm proud of where I'm at, but still striving to be more. Yeah. Both of those things can exist in the same breath. But I think you hit a key point there is this with this, you know, millennial movement that is like looking for fulfillment. They want their buckets filled while they're working. But the problem is that's why the word is actually called work. You know, you're working to provide the means to be able to do those things, to be able to have those quality times with your family and friends, to be able to give gifts to other people, to be able to do service for other people. So work is always going to be work. I think that you have a, a good point there, but I also think that it is totally okay to want a job that is super fulfilling, but here's the big, but you got to fucking realize this second part more than likely. It's not going to be extremely profitable and it's not going to be at your, you know, in your town, you could be a, you know, whatever, a red cross blood draw coordinator or uh, what do they call it when you go to other countries and build houses and stuff like that. Like those are very fulfilling yeah. jobs, right? Or or you're going to Africa Corps, to handle, yeah. yeah, Peace Corps. Like those are extremely fulfilling jobs. But with looking for that fulfillment from just actual fulfillment from your job, you are going to sacrifice being able to be materialistic and wanting expensive things and you don't get you don't get to have your cake and eat it too you know and so that's where i think like yes you should not always look for fulfillment just from your job if you are a person that really wants to be fulfilled from your job from just your 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 hour by hour input into your job then you have to realize that there's a lot of other people that are also looking for that. And you are probably going to be a little bit of a dime a dozen and you're not going to get paid a fuckload of money. Whereas you are paid as to the proportion of the problem that you solve. So if you deal with more stress and it is less fulfilling and you have to deal with more complicated people, more responsibility, more responsibility, then you get paid more. Yeah. And that's how it works. And for me, I mean, 20 years in, you know, the print media industry is, was, you know, I had to focus a lot. Hey, I'm providing for my family. And while I'm doing this, you know, and stress while I'm doing this, you know, it's like anything else. I need to be the best that I can be in that business. And that'll be the metric that, you know, is whether I feel I'm successful at doing it or not. Yeah. Otherwise I need to go, you know, dig a ditch somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, I got out of that. And I'm in an industry that I enjoy now, you know, fitness and fitness equipment industry, but it's still, it's challenging. It's tough. There's days where I'm like, oh, geez, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, swimming underwater, but you know, that's, that's why it's called work. Do you wish you would have done that sooner? I don't know. I mean, I I could think about that as, wow, I could have made it. I could have done this, you know, 10 years earlier, but you know, when I look at what brought me into this. I mean, I'm pretty blessed to switch industries yeah. completely. Yeah. You know, not even related. And maintain a and maintain a level of um success. A lot yeah. of times when you switch industries, you go back to the beginning. Right. Yep. And so, you know, I'm just I'm grateful to have that opportunity. So uh yeah, I can't really say that whether I should have done it when I was forty or, you know, whether I should have done it now. All I know is somebody told me and planted the seed in my head that 
you know what, if you're going to change, you better do something, you know, by the time you're 50, otherwise you might be too late. Yeah. So. And that's a good point. I mean, change. (laughs) I don't want to say change as soon as you can, but if you, if you, the minute that you realize that you need a change, then change as soon as you can. Yeah. Like exactly. If you're to the point where you realize it, then it's time. Yeah. But I just, I know there's a ton of people that are in that position, you know, where they, they don't, they don't listen to us and go and go, oh, I'm going to get my ass up and start working harder. Right. Like they already work really hard, yeah but maybe they're not putting the effort in the right direction or maybe they just haven't broke through yet. Yeah. And so that's why I wanted to put this podcast together is, is to really focus on the things that you can do to make sure that you're working efficient, make sure that you are putting your effort in all the right directions towards a goal. And then make sure that you're concentrating on appreciating your effort and being proud of your effort and letting the success come when your preparation meets the right opportunity. Yeah, totally agree. Um, And I also want to highlight the fact that the troll of all trolls, Ted Nugent, is offering Kyle Rittenhouse a lifetime supply of ammo. What? Yeah. The Nuge is given Rittenhouse a lifetime supply of ammunition. Where'd you see this? Oh, check it out. Google it quick. Is It'll it come up. Yeah. Uh, I think it came up the end of the week at some point in time. What's he own some ammo company or what? what? Oh, dude, you come on. It's the Nuge. He's got probably a billion know. rounds of ammo just stashed. <laughs> he owns like multiple big game hunting preserves and stuff. He owns like thousand acres in Michigan for big gang hunting preserve. And he owns another one in Texas, I think. I just every time if he like pops up on a meme, I like listen to him. But uh, yeah, I don't follow him at all. I mean, he's he's a troll like he trolls the left hard. I don't even I don't even you can call it the left. He trolls the anti gunners hard. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't see. Uh, you don't see it. Offering lifetime ammo. Yep. Lifetime ammo. Okay, I'm going to add that to it. Ooh. Find November it. November 22nd. Ted Nugent offers Kyle Rittenhouse a lifetime supply of ammo. There you go. See? For the rest of his life. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Also wants to open up a firearm training class in the teenager's name. Well, that's, I mean, that's a great move, right? Dang. Like, that's a great move. He's 72. Holy crap. Dude. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Kyle Rittenhouse Tactical Masterclass. Wow. And the opening riff to Stranglehold is still one of the top guitar riffs that I've ever heard in my life. Like that comes on and the blood just starts boiling. Yeah. I think that was all I had. Oh, and we have Omicron. We have Omicron in Wisconsin now. Really? Yep. A gentleman. Hold on. A gentleman, both doses of vaccine. Oh, another thing after this, both doses of vaccine and a booster just came back from South Africa, brought it with them. Yeah. Milwaukee. Yeah. All these countries. So between Asia, between South Africa, and then the case in California. Yep. 100% of the cases are all vaccinated. Yep. Strange. Antibody dependent enhancement. It's all mild symptoms. It is all mild symptoms. Antidepotent, anti de, antibody dependent enhancement. Google it. Um, I was wrong. 
10 podcasts ago when we were talking about uh, messenger RNA. The Johnson & Johnson is not messenger RNA. The Johnson & Johnson is a different form of vaccine. And the Novavax, which if they could hurry up and get um, sent here yeah. and get approved through the FDA, I think that I will probably um, go in on the Novavax vaccine. If um, it gets approved. If it gets approved <clears throat> for the United yeah. States, yeah. Um, because the Novavax is not your body creating the spike protein. They create a spike protein in moth cells, and then it is a non-replicating protein that then is injected into your body and teaches your body how to fight it off the way that an original vaccine is supposed to be. So who manufactures that? Novavax is the company. It is a company? Yep. Yeah, and, my mom was telling me, uh, my mom lives in Hong Kong. Uh, Sputnik, the Russian one, is also similar, but we won't get that here because that's Russian, pretty yeah, much look, all Russian money. I looked up what my mom was using, and uh, <clears throat> or they were pushing over in China. Something starts with an F, but yeah, I looked it up. It was completely different than yeah, uh, yeah, with the mRNAs. Were. Yep, and and like we talked about, even the Johnson and Johnson not being an uh, an mRNA um, is like one tenth the likelihood of the myocarditis so yeah. oh, fubitai fubitai i'm not not familiar with that one f-u-b-i-t-a-i okay it's like they had another one that was causing blood clots and then the government pulled it so okay which i don't think the government here does so um they pulled johnson and johnson for six cases of blood clots out of like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of injections but then they once they figured Reissue. out it was such a small amount they they let it go again but they were super cautious on that okay versus like the you know the myocarditis that seems to be which is weird because it seems to be amongst people that are more athletic yeah so the j and j is causing that myocarditis or the mrna the mrna okay yeah because they're like soccer teams you know judo champs the the world's longest free diver um he's got the world record for free diving and he got he got myocarditis from it and he's he now, can only, he now can only hold his breath for eight minutes and he starts to get and he starts to have to come up he used to be able to do ten and a half Jeez. eight fucking minutes and he's worried I, but I get it like, I don't know brain cells the guys have left right wow. yeah um, so if the Novavax comes here otherwise if you know if something does come forced through or if you're if you're in a position where you're being forced to get vaccinated or you really feel like you're getting leaned on to get vaccinated by your work or something i would you know if it was me i would feel you know mostly comfortable with the johnson and johnson what's the timeline on a Novavax? did they put anything out on it the packet is getting submitted this month before the, the end of the year for the, F- the fda and i'm not sure from the time of submission to the time of emergency youth authorization i don't know what that time frame is but also like where are we at as far as we got to get our COVID talk in right um where are we at as far <laughs> as happening. the as far as the pfizer treatment right because the that treatment pill um is a game changer it really is because w- right now okay so if, if you if you step back from the dogma that vaccination is going to save you because it's not um or or make it's not going to make COVID go away COVID's never going away it's going to be here forever right everyone is everyone at some point in time is probably going to get it okay so vaccination is a personal health choice why is it a personal health choice why is it not a public health choice because now with all the new variants you are just as likely to spread it and get it as if you're unvaccinated so that takes it from being a public health choice 
to a personal health choice because it still does show that the symptoms are likely less via vaccination to unvaccinated. So this is all about symptoms, though, because the fatality percentage is so minute. No, 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 no. Hospitalization rates are drastically more in unvaccinated versus vaccinated. They are. Yes. Yes, for sure. I mean, if you look at like like uh, in, in the Ireland studies that they've done, like 90 percent of the population is vaccinated and the amount of people hospitalized are 50 50. So 10 percent of the population is is unvaccinated. And out of those 10 percent of people, it is filling up 50 percent of the hospital beds. The other 50 percent are vaccinated, but that's out of 90 percent of the population. So you have to be able to look at the numbers here. Right. Like this little, you know, out of 10 bars, one bar is filling up half and out of the other nine bars, it's filling up half. So that's that's a pretty big, drastic number difference. When I looked at those numbers, I seem to recall that the uh, percentage of the unvax that ended up in the hospital, which I actually know some people in Milwaukee area that have been hospitalized, but had pre-existing conditions by that. I mean, not just health wise, but 80 plus percent were obese. So these are unhealthy folks. I don't know that necessarily part of the numbers, but I know that a guy that from one of my other companies that I see every week just came back from being in the hospital for five weeks and he is not obese. He is normal body type. I wouldn't say he's like a fitness guy or anything, but he's right. definitely just very average. Yeah. And he just got out of the hospital for five weeks and he was unvaccinated. So anyway, so this takes it really from being a public health choice to a personal health choice. It's hopefully the way that the way that the numbers are skewing. Hopefully it is keeping you out of the hospital. Yeah. Well, now with the new antiviral treatment that Pfizer is pushing through, that was the previous AIDS or HIV treatment that is going to keep you out of the hospital as well. So if that gets through, then that would also be an alternative if you're nervous about any sort of vaccination. But that's got to get to the point where it's actually readily available. Yeah. But also the human doses of ivermectin, too. Um, So if you guys want to listen to a really good conversation at the like the last half hour, 45 minutes of the Peter Atia podcast uh, with Joe Rogan this week, he is a doctor and he's and they go into what Joe did what Peter suggests for his patients, the ivermectin, they quit giving to their patients because there are alternatives that they have now figured out that are better. Uh, so the monoclonal antibodies. Yeah. And a specific. I heard that. Yeah, that was very a, spe- a specific psychological drug, which I can't remember the name of it, but it, it's an SSRI. So it's an antidepressant, but something to do with how that antidepressant works is a huge benefit for hospitalization and increasing your ability to fight off COVID. So they're using those over any ivermectin, which they originally were using ivermectin, but they found better things because ivermectin really, if you look at the data, is pretty sketch, pretty hit or miss on the data. If you So the way that he explained it, and I have not done any of this research myself, yeah. we're at an hour four. The way that he explained it is if you take one study which was very poorly done, the data looks slightly good for ivermectin as far as he talks about the N of one and all this damn scientific shit. But the way that he explains it is, is then it's okay. But if you take the one really suspect study out, the data is basically null and void. Like it is not improving, doesn't hurt, but doesn't improve. So 
Yeah. The bullshit to say that ivermectin is dangerous is, is dog shit because right. it's one of the most prescribed drugs in the history of mankind. And it has not. It's like 26 people have had an issue out of a billion prescriptions. That's like nothing. Right. So it's just off patent. Yeah, it's just off Nobody's patent. making any money on it. Yeah. So. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually working to help with covid. But what that does is that vilify then then the people that have patents vilify it. And then makes the contrarians like you and I go, well, why are you vilifying? Is it because it works? Right. Right. So we need to actually do the research. And and Peter is a medical doctor who I 1000% trust his opinion. Um, So listening to him say that if I were to get COVID again, I would definitely look for the monoclonal antibodies and whatever the SSRI that he was talking about. So. But other than that, if you're being forced to get vaccinated, if you can hold out for the Nova, I feel like that's and, and it's possible that it that it you know that it won't get approved here but because you got to remember that money money's a big game and that's a you know eight billion dollars in revenue for pfizer this year yeah so depends who's lobbying harder i guess that's right all right that's a wrap 